Welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting and I would even say more important show than maybe even interesting. In that, we'll be talking about some of the subjects that, well, in order to create a better world, we better pay close attention to. And they have been subjects that we have dealt with here on this show many, many times over the years. And that's because of their quintessential importance to the very survival of our species on the planet. And that's right, we are talking about climate change. We're talking about our ongoing chronic style of polluting, contaminating our atmosphere, our water, our soil, and of course, thereby contaminating our bodies. So today, I'll be speaking with two wonderful people who are just equally committed to a favorable outcome for our beautiful humanity and sentient life in general on the planet. And that's Abel Slater and Dina Lautman, both of whom have been devotees of the spiritual teacher Avatar Adi Dasamraj for some 25 years. They've spent time with him in the community's island in Fiji, uh, up in also the Mountain of Attention in California, and actually all over the world. Abel was a, a tutor to Adida's uh, daughters for quite some time as well. And the two of them have been actively involved in the New York community and the larger international one. Well, on their journey and through being uh, so attentive to their teacher and to themselves, they have come to recognize this relationship between what we do to our own bodies in terms of everything, and in particular for this evening, what we put into our bodies in the form of food and nutrition, and the outer context, our planet, and what we're doing to her, what's going on to this other life form, something we don't really think about as Earth. We don't think of her as Gaia, as such, as Pachamama, as truly a living, intelligent mother conversation and roundtable, which will be essentially based on a lot of the teachings of Avatar Adida Samraj through his book in particular called The Green Gorilla. So we'll be learning some pretty interesting things today about uh, his thinking as well as how it shows up in my guests today, Abel and Dina. So welcome to the show, Abel and Dina. Wonderful to have you on A Better World. Thank you so much, Mitchell. It's wonderful to be on the show again and to have this invitation. I so appreciate everything that you're doing to raise consciousness about oh, our planet. Oh, thank you, my dear. Thank you, thank you. And that's mutual. And so talking about raising consciousness, let's let's dig right in. Uh, Abel, you and I were just speaking a little while ago uh, in preparation for today's roundtable about the role of uh, we humans who have done so much to do such destruction to our beautiful planet, some of it unconsciously, some of it rather deliberately, in order to enjoy what is usually the motivation of so many human beings, money and power, and at any expense, so to speak. It's profit before people and planet, not after. So what we see, of course, today is the uh, mounting levels of CO2, the rising levels of methane, uh, any number of different contaminants wherein our uh, ice is melting rapidly in the North Pole, the South Pole, Greenland, elsewhere. And we've got just a situation on our hands that we do not even begin to know how to realistically deal with. So, if you would, please step in and uh, share with us and the audience uh, your thoughts about where we are and where we're going. Thank you, Mitchell, and thanks for having us on the show. Um, Absolutely. I wanted to, you know, what you were just speaking about in terms of uh, 
carbon emissions, fossil fuel, uh, <clears throat> the, the role of fossil fuel in global warming, in melting the ice caps and so forth. That's, that's very well documented, and, and there's quite there's a great deal of education uh, occurring about that and even a, a level of regulation that started. It's obviously not moving quickly enough, but, but there's, that level is actually occurring. But what's yeah. less known uh, at a widespread level is the impact that meat-eating has on, uh, uh, on global warming. And specifically, when I say meat-eating, I'm, I'm speaking about the raising of vast numbers of livestock, poultry, and so on that are actually uh, creating methane gas emissions uh, that it, right now, in a study that was done by the United Nations in 2006, indicated that the global impact of livestock production was, is a source now of 18% of human-caused greenhouse gases, while transportation accounts for just 17. So it's actually yeah. exceeding the amount of, uh, you know, the, the, the impact of, uh, of all transportation worldwide in terms of these gas emissions uh, associated with methane gas from, from livestock. So uh, this really directly relates to how we eat, how we consume as individuals. And the, 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 you know, the impact of that, you know, in terms of when we get, that gets magnified in the whole, um, in terms of each of our diets, gets magnified in what's happening globally. And as I said, there's not much uh, real awareness of how our, our individual diets um, impact the situation. Impacting, right. Yeah, very Basically, much so. what we're looking at is uh, the, um, you could call it the cattle industrial complex or the meat industrial complex, which as an industry and with their lobbyists and associations and uh, various tools for uh, yielding their own levels of, if I may say it, propaganda uh, regarding the need for animal protein for the healthy American diet, and larger than that, uh, has yielded such a powerful force and influence on the consciousness of, let's, it's of course worldwide, but let's just talk about uh, the United States for a moment, so powerful. If you remember, in fact, Abel and Dina, when uh, Oprah came forward on one of her shows and just had a, a natural instinct to say when discussing something about the way cattle are raised, she kind of went, ooh, that's horrible. <laughs> when she did that, do you remember that ended up in a major long-term lawsuit with the cattle industry? That's what power they have. So no wonder people haven't connected the dots between what we eat and the status of our weather and larger our climate. Your comment, right? And this, this is, and this is nothing new. It's been greatly magnified in our time. But I, I want to read you something that Adida uh, wrote in Green Gorilla, where he addresses this thing, uh, this matter head on, and he traces it back to um, practices that go that go back into ancient times. He says, "This is Adida speaking here in his book." In ancient times, people sacrificed animals to a sacred domain that they presumed surrounded or was otherwise inaccessible to the human world. The sacrifice of animals to make a connection from humans to the energy world or the spirit world became a widespread practice in the ancient religions. The temple practices of the ancient world have been universalized to the extent that people all over the earth are maintaining themselves, for the most part, on animal slaughter. <clears throat> Animals are raised under industrial circumstances of terrible suffering, and they are murdered, sacrificed, and thrown into the guts of human beings, who are creating problems in the balance of the earth now with this practice and with various other addictive practices in which they indulge. And these same human beings are constantly unwell. 
Effectively, a revolution is required in the human world to prevent human beings from destroying the human race and the earth itself. Humankind must be restored to truth, to right understanding, and to right practice of life. Therefore, not only restoration of the planet, but right dietary practice must be advocated. The restoration of the planet's balance is absolutely appropriate advocacy and a necessary change. Nevertheless, there must also be a change in human practice relative to the matters of human health. So you see, uh, Mitchell, this this goes back uh, into ancient times. And uh, so this is not something that's going to be simple or straightforward to uproot. There's there's a great attachment to the di- to the diet that each of us eats, and so it's. Uh, but but hopefully, as people begin to appreciate and understand um, what the actual implications are, not not only in terms of the, the 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 wider environment itself, the situation is is really coming to the critical point in terms of global warming, but also the diet that we're eating. Uh, a, typically meat-based diet and also a processed food diet actually creates toxicity in the body. And so it, it becomes a vicious circle in that sense. And, um, and it's certainly there's, a, there's great benefit to beginning to really examine the, one's own diet and how one can not only make a difference in terms of the planet, but also uh, live a healthier life. Yes, absolutely. Well put. Well put here. And I appreciate that. I, I used to have a kind of a funny line I used to say a lot that was uh, if you look around at the uh, the agribusiness world the chemical world uh, major um, food companies uh, and the ingredients they put in with chemical names that are as long as your arm no one can pronounce them you could come to the conclusion that they may be trying to kill us. Now, I'm convinced that they are. That's really what we're yeah. dealing with. It really, yeah. I mean, I, we can laugh about it all we want, and we probably should before we start crying on endlessly. But we're dealing with the um, pathology of money and power and big business as way more important than human or non-human life. Non-human doesn't stand a chance to date, except for in certain circles like your own communities and mine and, you know, of course, others across the world that care. But, my God, what goes on has come to pass for normal. It's the new normal of big business actually slaughtering its own kind. Dina, mm-hmm. your comments. Yeah, it's it's horrifying and um this matter of really adapting to to taking responsibility on in terms of our own body and local level and then collectively it's we're at a very critical urgent time at, for this to happen. And that's one of the reasons why you know, you saw us at the New Life Expo. We're promoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a Green Gorilla booth there. We're promoting the deliciousness green, of Green Gorilla T-shirts. Yeah, and the deliciousness of you know the vegetarian, the raw food diets. We had all these samples of raw treats filled with you know deliciously nutritious things like you know maca for hormone balancing and goji berries, you know high mm-hmm. vitamin C, raw cocoa and powdered green tea, you know, and beetroot juice, and all these very natural, um, delicious, healing foods that also taste delicious and look good, and we're not really doing it as a business. We're just doing it to kind of break through some barrier that there's that mm. raw food is not delicious, not attractive, and not, and we're, we're showing people how to make it, empowering them to do it. And we're having events uh, here in New York, but also internationally, um, to bring this kind of awareness and, and to, to approach it in this very positive, attractive, attract people into uh, making those changes yeah. as well. Yeah. Rather than, you, you can know, be a green gorilla too. You know? Yeah, rather than just scaring everyone into it because it, it is frightening. You know, the, all the studies of the top 
specificity of, of you know, illnesses and, you know, what's an American diet, you know, 60% is processed food and bodies are being so toxified. Um, there's doctors, you know, like Dr. Furman who are getting on the Dr. Oz show every, all the time, giving yes. that message. It's kind of in the common culture. And the effect of that toxicity exactly. creates a tremendous anxiety in the body as we become more toxic and toxic and we're trying to purify that and, and solve the problem with illness with medication while we're still eating that processed food. Uh, they <laughs> yeah, say that ninety percent of America is on some form of medication. And that's the source of our health uh, crisis, financial crisis. And yes, healthcare system and, and on crisis. and all all yeah. connected. I mean it's 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 all that's connected. Right. It's so we, we have to be much more intelligent, um, you know, when there's signs of imbalance. The, the body is a food body. We have to look at what yeah. we're putting into it. We have to Absolutely. just be much more connected uh, as, as a first step um, in terms of looking at, at that. And, and I can talk a lot more about, you know, maybe later about just simply one thing that people could do in terms of how to make a really – nutritious green drink that can bring all the nutrients that you need in your body and have that every day and those kind of things. Well, listen, but, why postpone the pleasure of learning that? Why don't you share it with us right now? And don't okay. worry, we'll, we'll, we won't lose track of the larger picture. But okay. nothing's better than a good green drink at the moment. Yeah, all right, let's have one. So um, what Adi does said that um, green drinks, you know, blended from raw leafy green plant foods, and not only, of course, him. There's many, many, many um, leaders in this movement. I mean, the resources are just huge. From you know, Ed Wigmore yeah. and um, David Wolf and um, Ocean Robbins, John Robbins, Robbins, and on and on. I mean, this is just. It is becoming a a, a kind of movement, but it's a huge the, movement. Yeah. yeah. Green drinks, when they're blended into liquid form from raw leafy green plants and algae, uh, really provide the highest quali- quality and the highest quantity, density-wise, of water-soluble plant mineral elements at mm-hmm. insufficient quality. And so this is, Adida has really said, that greens contain the maximum necessary n- nourishment for the human body. This is the diet, the ideal diet for the human body. And mm-hmm. adaptation to a diet of mostly raw leafy greens is really only possible by drinking these blended drinks to get the necessary sufficient quantities and calories that you need. Intensity, yes. Yeah. And they're, they're per- it's perfectly designed to be assimilating to each cell of the body. So it's once you start drinking it, you start actually feeling how your body becomes balanced and much more integrated with life and feeling the yes. light, you know, connected with the life force. So it's so really what is simple. One, yeah, please. Yeah. What what do you really make for you and Abel, okay. for instance? How do I how do I make it? So I use a blender. Uh-huh. You can have a high powered blender or a Vitamix. I rinse the ingredients. You really want to start with sixteen ounces of dark leafy vegetables like kale, chard, collard, spinach, romaine, bok choy, arugula, any of those, sixteen ounces, mm-hmm. pick one. Um you can add sprouts as well, and you can add herbs and other vegetables if you want. Um, and then you would add a small amount of one or more fruits to, for taste. So it makes the green drink more palatable. You can use a pineapple or an apple, a banana, mango, pears, really good, lemon, berries. Mm-hmm. You really have to experiment with the amount of fruit that you want to add. Generally, yeah. it's recommended to use less fruit than greens. However, you know, in the beginning, use as much fruit as you want for taste. Anyway, you add... 16 ounces or two cups of pure or filtered water to your greens, and then you blend. It really takes only 30 seconds with a high-powered blender to make this drink. You don't want to overblend. You don't want to heat the drink. If you overblend, the greens can get bitter as well. Uh, so sometimes people like to blend the fruits first, then add the greens, and then blend. And then you can just drink as much as you can or that you need immediately. You can add ice if you want to make it cold or chill it. Drink as much as you want, and then you can refrigerate up to eight hours or even 72 hours, and there's infinite amount of... And it keeps of, the enzymes intact. Yes. 
And you really want to rotate your greens regularly, at least that's the recommendation of Victoria Botanko, because if you like only have spinach smoothies, you eventually you accumulate alkaloids, you know, in a single variety of greens, which can create toxicity. So rotate your greens, try different greens, experiment with what you like and the different tastes. Then you can really get into adding non-sweet fruit vegetables if you like, like tomatoes and cukes. Some people don't like the sweet drinks with sweet fruit and so they make it more tart and even spicy. But this is this okay. is the um this is the basic green uh drink, blended drink, and you can really Everyone needs to experiment with it, find out what the minimum optimum is for them in terms of, you know, the kind of foods that really agree with them, that they respond to, and the balance of fruit and vegetables. So that's one thing that everyone could do that can make a direct impact into your health, into taking responsibility and changing this this pattern that's in place. Mm. It's so empowering to hear you talk about all of this, Dina. And it's interesting because this is an analogy. We're talking about eating food. It's so basic, a daily activity, drinking food, drinking nutrients. And there's kind of a psychological profile that I'm kind of realizing that no one feels that they make a difference in the world, pretty much. There's this underlying kind of a, there's a negative bias to the brain in the first place, which was sort of built in uh, for survival purposes. Uh, but once one overcomes that and sees the magnificence of the world and maybe the magnificence of oneself, they can begin to embrace an idea that they make a difference, that we, each of us, individually make a difference because we individually come together to form an integrated whole, which is an idea behind community and everything that we're really talking about here. So here we are also eating well, drinking well, and making a difference on the levels that you both are talking about. And at the same time, we're digesting the fact, no pun intended, that each of us in our life roles fulfilling our life's purpose are also making a direct impact in the world on any number of different levels. You know, it's an analog, if you will. And I think it's one, again, as I said, worth digesting that everything that we have to share when we're being authentic has a a positive, useful role on the planet energetically as a whole. Abel, would you like to uh, add to that or delete from that? Yes, I completely agree, Mitchell. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with education. By and large, people really aren't aware um, because, as you were speaking before, there are all sorts of forces operative that uh, aren't necessarily that interested in people becoming completely healthy (laughs) because there's, there's, you know, you know, so people just aren't really aware of the healing aspect of diet. It's something that Adi Da has said over and over again, that, that fundamentally the, 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 the most fundamental aspect of healing is diet. And uh, so if we um, are become more aware of that and we're aware of the fact that um, nutri- the nutrient density in leafy greens like kale uh, collards, chard, have about 50 or 60 times the nutrient density. And when I say nutrient density, what we're talking about is the amount of nutrients per calorie. And nutrients being minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants, vitamins. When, when those are available in, with, at low caloric levels in huge quantities, um, then suddenly if we're eating that way, rather than eating large amounts of low uh, of foods that have are very low in nutrients like processed foods or meat uh, that makes a huge difference in health because what happens is is when you're eating either a processed food diet or a diet that's heavy in meat um, what's happening is is that there are toxins associated with that these are these are now well documented and that toxicity um, gets absorbed by the body and and is retained in the body. So it creates all kinds of 
anxiety, at, at, even at, just at the physical level. And the body's constantly trying to detoxify. But every time you sit down at the table and you continue to eat in that way, you're just continuing this cycle of toxification of the body. So this, this, this process of education and helping people to understand you know, the nutrient value uh, in different foods and how a, a, a healthy diet, which is very high in nutrient density and low in calories, actually then begins to have uh, a healing effect. It purifies toxicity out of the body. So what you notice when you shift to a diet like this is you notice that your body goes through a purification process. The toxicity is released. So initially, it doesn't necessarily feel so good uh, because there's a lot of toxins being released. But over time, yes. you really start to become aware of what the benefits are. I mean, for myself, I can speak uh, about... Um, some of the conditions that were dramatically impacted by eating uh, um, a raw vegetarian diet. <clears throat> For example, I have a you know condition of sleep apnea, and that's you know a condition from early on in life. And it got, but it it, it got it it intensified later on in my uh, in my forties actually, where I was going to sleep and I was just not getting very much into deep sleep. And uh, and waking up exhausted, and this you know no I mean you go into the doctors and they you know put you on they they can they, you know going in the sleep clinics they'll be able to document all this stuff and they basically were going to put me on one of these breathing uh, you know oxygen devices at night and I tried it one night that was enough <laughs> I really I couldn't deal with it and you got um, cured quickly <laughs> yeah well it took a well it actually took a while. But you know now it's not like the actual condition itself is gone. Yes, okay. There's a there's a there's a you know, an, you know there is a sleep apnea you know uh, thing that's that's going on. But but what ha- you know it, the diet has been so or the the condition has been so transformed by the diet that I actually get a decent night's sleep and I can you know mm. rather than wake for two hours. And just That's being huge. exhausted, I actually wake up rested, and it's very much related to to the shift in diet, where yes. once that toxicity was pure was actually purified from the system, there was a relaxation in the system and uh, a conduciveness to actually being able to enter more readily into deep sleep. So that was at, at one level, and then the other another level has been just a, a kind of a bacterial infection I had, a kind of a, what what's called um, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, and irritable bowel, so it took me a lot longer to adapt to a raw diet um, than most people would because of irritable bowel. But just by doing it intelligently and slowly uh, over a period of a number of years, uh, I'm basically eating uh, virtually 100% raw diet now. Um, and the healing effect, the, the irritable bowel signs are now, are just about gone. But if I go, you know, I'm not particularly righteous about the diet so there are times where i'll go and i'll eat you know whatever it is i'll have i'll go out for a good meal uh in the conventional sense and i pay the price pretty dramatically and pretty immediately irritable bowel and you know okay it goes away in a few days or whatever so it's not a big deal but uh, it's been quite instructive to just feel the difference and the healing effects of a, a raw regenerative diet you actually begin to regenerate the cells, the endocrine, endocrine system of the body through eating right diet. Beautiful, beautiful. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. In fact, I'd like to raise the uh, question. First of all, let's let everybody know that you are listening to A Better World Radio with Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight and Standard Times. And uh, we also have a weekly television program in Manhattan, aired in Manhattan, and online at abetterworld.tv at 7 p.m. So please tune in, visit our website, get on our newsletter at www.abetterworld.tv. It's a free newsletter announcing the shows and the guests every single week, and sometimes uh, an article, or as we say these days, a blog from me about various, I think, relative, uh, relevant subjects that we're dealing with at the time on any number of levels, from progressive politics all the way to high
higher level domains of quantum fields. So uh, definitely tune in. Today we are spending the the entire uh, roundtable time with Abel Slater and Dina Lautman talking about the green gorilla. That is the basis of the conversation in uh, really, which is a book by the teacher Avatar Adida Samraj, of whom they are both devotees for some 25 years, and they have both been very active lately in bringing forth some of the teachings from this book about the interrelationship of our personal diet and global uh, climate change. So it's a very interesting and very important area for our audiences and others to become uh, educated about as as Abel was just saying, that is so much the pivot can change our world, this raising of consciousness and awareness of what is the role of what we eat in terms of our personal diet and health and well-being and that of the planet herself. And we don't usually think about ourselves having such impact, as I was kind of saying before, but in fact, we have a significant impact. And, you know, in quantum physics, we have what we refer to as the butterfly effect. And that is wherein everything is affecting everything else, sort of like a kaleidoscope. You turn it one, just one little fraction and you get an entirely new fractal. You get an entire new perspective on everything. And everything is affecting everything else. You know, Abel and Dina, that's an attitude and a perspective I really like to put forward a lot. And I, I oftentimes put it forward from the, the neuroscientific perspective where we now know that every thought and every feeling has its own biochemical and biohormonal profile. That's really interesting. The blood changes per thought. It changes per feeling. And having, depending on the quality of those thoughts and the quality and elevated nature of those feelings, so too our soma, our body, follows. It's so interesting. So I know I love sharing this with my clients and my students, and it becomes very empowering. And now here, of course, today with the two of you, we're talking about how what we put in our body as food is changing our cellular life, our cellular respiration. In fact, on that note, I'd like to bring up something, Dina, which is that you were talking about, you were both talking about the importance of leafy green vegetables and as the basis of uh, Adidas' work in terms of diet and what we is our our ideal diet as humans. Well, you know, there's a higher oxygen level in those green leafy vegetables as well, which donate their oxygen to ourselves. So we're oxygenating our bodies at the same time with that level of nutrition, as well as you could say the uh, the mineral and protein content. So we just wanted to bring. I'm so glad to have the two of you on and talking about something uh, as important as this subject. It's really a, really a pleasure to have you on. Just wanted I to totally, share that with you. totally appreciate yeah. being on. Well, Mitchell, you know, one thing I'd like to do is um, we've been talking about a lot of the physical dimension of food taking in terms of just what you mentioned, oxygen in the leafy greens or nutrient density or whatever. But I wanted to point, you know, I wanted to bring, uh, actually uh, play a a clip from a talk that Adi Da gave in 1978. And he, he called this talk, Renouncing the Search for the Edible Deity which uh, the title in and of itself is wonderful. And he, the point that he's making here is that there's also an emotional and spiritual component of diet. In other words, if you, the disposition that you are in when you eat is uh, really, if you're not feeling sustained in life, if you sit down at the table with that not feel, you know, that, in that disposition of not feeling sustained, it actually impacts the degree to which you can assimilate the nature and receive. of the digestion. Yep. So if you would allow me, um, I'm just going to play a five-minute clip, and uh, I'll play it now. 
birth or the recognition of one's independent existence is interpreted by us to be separation. It's interpreted by us as a moment of being unloved, a permanent gesture in which we're essentially unloved. And all of that comes down to the feeling that we are not sustained. In other words, independent existence is separation from food. And we are mad then, you see. We're not like the eating gorilla. The eating gorilla finds a cabbage in the jungle and sits down like a slob and munches away at the cabbage. And it's completely benign, completely peaceful. There's nothing offensive about this gorilla, nothing dangerous about this gorilla. He's not eating anything killed that has an independent consciousness in the ordinary sense. Is it? Just cabbages, vegetables. Some other gorilla, some other being comes up nearby. He still has his food, you see. He's connected to the food source. He's not disturbed as long as that creature will show that he's eating. If you approach the gorilla, grab a leaf or something, put it towards your mouth, and he won't be disturbed. The eating gorilla is peaceful. He's the true man. The true woman. He is the principle of true politics. Real human existence. But the Yahoo. <laughs> the gorilla in the desert. Man. Is cut off from his food source through the recognition of his separate existence. His mortality. He feels unloved. He is a dangerous beast. He's in conflict with himself. He's struggling, looking for a way to be permanently sustained. And all of our efforts are searches to be permanently, absolutely, unqualifiedly sustained. To be fed perfectly and eternally and to simply be happy. Hmm? Kept alive by whatever put us into existence to begin with. <laughs> but until we make our connection with food or with sustenance, we're mad with a gorilla in the desert, hmm? not the gorilla at peace in the jungle with a cabbage. You know, we get a little bit that sustains us. We're anxious about sustenance. We can't get enough. We overeat or we overseek. We're always involved with the, the logic that we are not sustained, that we're cut off, that we're not loved. That what essentially and permanently and absolutely can sustain us is something from which we are separated. We may get a meal, but where are we going to get the next one? Or even if we can get the next one, <laughs> how can we live forever? Hmm? And we must ultimately deal with this metaphysics, this philosophy. That I am not loved, that I am separate from what sustains me. The whole drama of human existence is about that. That's completely all that it's about. Eating is the same thing. You sit down to eat, and you are obliged to meditate on sustenance. If you approach the whole matter of eating consciously, you must become aware of unlove, of separation, of fear, of sorrow, guilt, anger, doubt, anxiety, terrible things. There's no way to finish a meal. <laughs> If you're at all sensitive, you'll starve to death. (laughs) 
But either you are that sensitive, and subjectively that's where you're really at. That's why you're not sustained with all your eating. Very, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> I love that line, you know. You never finish a meal, you know. It's just, you would just starve. It's like there are pauses yeah. in between meals, you know. That's your life, you know. Exactly. I'm sorry, what's that, Ava? What's that, Dina? So, yes, as I just said, that if you're, if you're really sensitive and feeling it, you would just probably starve because there's so much, you know, connected. And yeah. not only with yeah. meal, but with every breath you take uh, when you really feel your condition that you're always in. So yeah. underlying, you can feel all of these things we've been talking about. Underlying is, is this it's this fear of being separate, the fear of our mortality, which is driving, anxiety is driving all of these behaviors and reinforcing that feeling of separation. So the, the, the diet is really, yes, it's important to eat the greens and be conscious of what you're eating, but as important to be eating consciously and breathing and already feeling sustained and connected before that first bite. Otherwise... The bottomless pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a brilliant, brilliant piece that you selected there uh, to mm-hmm. share with our audience. It's uh, really pithy, if you will. It gets you at the pit of your stomach and your psyche because mm-hmm. it's just true. It's just, it's really, really interesting. And we do walk around it. You know, the Course in Miracles says that it, at base, the uh, foundational reason behind all of our illness, unhappiness, pathology, and anxiety is this idea of separation. And it's so much of what uh, Adida was just saying there, this notion of separation that we are not aware of our connectedness to the whole selves as outside of it, you know, sort of looking in to life. And uh, I don't know how it got set up that way, but it surely is that way, you know. Food, I guess, could be seen, if you have in the right state of mind, uh, could be seen as a way of reconnecting to to the whole. You know, we're, we're, we're eating earth, quite literally. Your thoughts? Yeah, the Aida speaks about prior unity as the true condition of mm-hmm. all beings. So it's not something that we have to seek to return to, but it's really actually our state. Exactly, yeah. that we all share. And yeah. so that's, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. But that we have lost track of it. And so we've lost track of that. We, therefore, have lost track of the earth as our mother and as a living being and of other creatures. Uh, I know from knowing the two of you and others in your community that the, there's a, a real emphasis on the non-human world by Adida, which I've always felt was so interesting that uh, surely other traditions say same thing, but here it's uh, he's so articulate about the role of non-humans and putting them on sort of a similar track or tier with humans and helping us cure ourselves of this prejudice, this bias that we walk around with, that we're this superior being. When there's actually, I always say, there's very little evidence of it, you know. No, absolutely. And Able. Uh, Adi, Adida, um, you know, he, he, he did not relate to humans and non-humans differently. And uh, I, I actually uh, was quite, um, you know, I didn't, didn't express nearly the passion that he feels about the kind of suffering that we are creating for non-humans on this planet. Um it was something that he felt profoundly, and uh, you know his work in spiritual terms was including, very completely inclusive of non-humans. So this is a very, this is a matter that was, he was very, very passionate about. 
And, you know, Mitchell, I, I know our uh, our time is winding down, and I, I just wanted to say something, you know, because we've been talking about the environment uh, and, the, you know, the terrible impact of global warming. And we've, we, uh, uh, devotees of Adida, have really been impacted very dramatically uh, in the last six months uh, by these uh, yes, environmental Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing this up, yeah, about the uh, the first, there was the Valley Fire in California, um, which yes. burned a, a, a large, uh, much acreage, not not the core of the sanctuary, the Mountain of Attention Sanctuary in uh, in Cobb, Lake California. But certainly the outlying areas were burned. Many devotees lost their houses. And then um, more recently, in um, about five weeks ago, uh, the an island of Naitumba, which is Adida's principal hermitage uh, in Fiji, was hit by tropical cyclone uh, Winston, which was the fiercest storm ever recorded in the southern hemisphere, and it absolutely ravaged the Fijian islands. And you know, this is a very direct uh, Im, uh, result of global warming. Because as the sea temperature rises, and we we literally were watching this as it was happening, it went from a Category three. Uh, cyclone to Category 5 in, as it moved out over these warm oceans and gained strength and speed and then just absolutely ransacked all of Fiji. It was just terrible. Um, fortunately, nobody in Naitemba was injured, but uh, the, the this sacred island, this holy island, which has so many temples, meditation halls. It's a, it's a unique and pristine place of spiritual significance in the world. There were many temples that were completely uh, devastated. There was actually a tidal surge as well that just you know, created three, four, five feet of debris and just, just desecrated these holy places. So we have a huge amount of uh, work to restore uh, that sacred island, and, and, and Adida said about Naitamba, he said, Naitamba is a divine gift for the sake of everyone, not just for those who live here now, but a profound gift to everyone. This place is not just a piece of land, but a piece of life, a piece of mm. earth itself, a chakra, mm. a center of influence that could change the life of humankind. What a beauty, what a grace. May all beings be blessed. So his, his spiritual blessing emanates from the island of Naitamba to the whole world. And so we really wanted to encourage people to um, go to um, the website, nightumba.org, to learn more about Nightumba and also learn how you can help um, to help us with the restoration of this most beautiful sacred island. I'm just going to spell it out because the yeah, M in Nightumba, it's actually silent. So it's N-A-I-T-A-U-B-A.org, Nightumba. Dot org, and people could go to that website and see what an incredible place it is and learn more about it and how you can help. Yes, thank you, Abel. Thank you. It is just tragic, and you're making a point that resounds for many people who uh, live on the South Pacific Islands and just island nations. They are the first that are being troubled and experiencing uh, what is now climate change refugeeism and mm -hmm. uh, and migrations that are taking place already. And yes, of course, the power of that cyclone, as you're describing, is just it's so humbling as to what our impact is on the planet. Uh, you know, there's always been climate change. You know, we always make that point here. There's always been climate change. But the part, I like to put it this way, that has been entrusted to us to care for and to uh, treat properly, to be stewards of, is that critical piece that allows the climate to tumble out of control, to spin out of control. Talk about spinning, a cyclone of that magnitude is uh, unfortunately a perfect image of uh, nature spinning out of control when it comes to the sustainability of human life. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate your, your sharing that. Uh, you know, at the COP21 in Paris, uh, 
in Copenhagen, everywhere else. The island nations are, as I said, the most troubled, the first ones to suffer greatly at the hands of climate change, right? Absolutely. And there, there are even there are even island nations that are going to have to relocate the entire nation uh, because right. don't have you know they're very low lying islands. Uh, in Fiji, uh, it was just utterly devastating. I mean, in Naitambo, we're going to have to move much of our coastal areas up to higher ground. We're going to have to rebuild on higher ground. There's just no question about it. We've been looking at putting yes. up seawall. But it's quite obvious from the tidal surge that happened that that's not going to suffice. So, you know, yeah. on our website we we have ways that people can also donate to Fiji as well. Um, the you know the Red Cross organizations because the, really the people of Fiji are in, in terrible situation right now. Um, yes, of course. In terms oh of having oh and, and, and issues yeah. with even um, no, a lack of drinking water right now. Uh, because all the mechanisms for ca- water catchment w- are gone, you know. So it's, it's oh, quite. It's, so? And you know, and it's what you what? were saying before, what you were saying before, Mitchell, about our our, our own personal responsibility. I mean, this is mm-hmm. exactly what Adi does messages to everyone. You know, he says mm-hmm. the same issues that pertain at the individual level pertain at the global level. They are about the same pattern. Self-management must be established at the individual scale, just as it must be at the collective and global scale. Global imbalances are a reflection of individuals. At the global scale, everyone is aware of pollution and global warming and extreme weather patterns and so forth. However, they are less aware of how that is a reflection of what people are about individually. The same system that is producing both global warming and pollution at the end of the individual life. It is all one pattern. Effectively, human beings collectively are poisoning the earth and the, and the earth's sphere, including the atmosphere, but also everyone individually is poisoning their own body. It's all one pattern. They're not different kinds of things. There's a single pattern to be viewed everywhere. Mm-hmm. God. Very, very powerful. I, I wholly wholeheartedly agree that's the uh that's the horns of the dilemma so to speak mm-hmm. that human beings are sitting on and perched on and uh it 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 just cuts to the quick of our very lives and we mm-hmm. just seem to struggle so much with that kind of ownership and accountability as a collective but you know as the point you're making it's not just the collective it's us individually and our own mm-hmm. inner demons our own inner conflicts with which we deal in respect to consumption overall material consumption as a way of life i mean that's the world we we're born into in the west we're born into a world of consumption not one of sustainability and showing mutual respect yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. You know. Well, we do I have some. Just, please, we Go do ahead. have something that people can do uh, this Sunday uh, if they want. If people want to learn about the Searchless Raw Diet and how they can actually yes, produce. Yes, you have an event here in the Big Apple. Right in, in the turn, right in the Turnisall Wellness Center on 26 East 36th Street at 2 p.m. on oh, Sunday. Well. It's a three-hour seminar. And we'll be showing people how to make green drinks, how to make nutritious treats that are actually, you know, they taste great, but they're all also completely nutritious. And uh, so it's a way that people can start to um, change the individual pattern. Mm-hmm. And how and do they get so in touch with you uh, to register? We have uh, our... We have the uh, website at uh, the Facebook website at uh, green. It's Facebook.com/slash Green Gorilla Food. Okay. And okay. Yes. <laughs> and they basically can find out about it there. Uh, we okay. also we have 
phone. We'll have to send you the phone. I don't have the phone number, unfortunately, in front of me, and we'll have to send it to you. To, uh, of Tornacell Wellness Center, we've done, Kerry Davidson has been on a guest on the show. I've done events there. It's a wonderful place. And uh, it's uh, people can go to our website, betterworld.tv, and uh, look it up. It's uh, posted in a few different places on our website. Right. Go dig it. Thank yeah. Thank Beautiful. You I'm so, so glad you two are so in the groove of helping educate people and bringing greater attention and awareness to these subjects that are so vital for us. I so enjoyed our dialogues today, Abel and Dean. Oh, we... You are really. Oh, Thank you. You know it's... so much. You're so welcome. Enough can't be said. You know. So wonderful to to connect with you and to just participate in in the work that you're doing, which is so important and so um, aligned. Thank you. Thank you so much. Better world. (laughs) You got it. You got it. Yeah. I thought I could finally say one thing that's not controversial and everyone would agree upon. Everyone wants a better world. Right. That's the way it is. Well, Dina Lautman and Abel Slater, thank you so much for all of your good work and your continuance of that work and sharing with our audience and others across the planet the good stuff you're doing. So please keep it up, and thanks for being a guest today and part of the roundtable. And thank you so much. Really appreciate what you're doing. You're so welcome, Abel. You're so welcome. God bless, and uh, thank you again. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye now. Shalom in the Heitrot. Bye-bye. Bye. That was a very, very enriching conversation with uh, my dear friends Abel and Dina on this path, the spiritual path and the health path for so long with uh, generous hearts, hearts of compassion, always looking to make a difference in people's lives on so many levels. So they're also highly educated about these subjects. And uh, I can tell you that those little green gorilla desserts that Dina made were at the expo delicious. It is inspiring to play in that space. They make it fun to be healthy. And by the way, that's a good attitude with which to eat, digest, and ingest when you're eating live food. That's a phrase I sort of prefer, live food, living. And, of course, it's called that because uh, the enzymes continue to live, and they're not cooked out, they're not burned out, they're not heated out. They're in their natural state. So it requires from our bodies less enzymes to digest because it's sort of food that comes already packed with their own enzymes. That's a large part of the underlying tenet of eating raw or eating live food, sprouts, everything. I myself have one of those delicious green drinks just about every morning and sometimes beyond uh, using kale and collard greens and apples in my case, and I throw in lemon, including the rind. Uh, Not a whole lemon, but uh, a quarter or sometimes a half of a lemon. And um, sometimes I'm big on beets also. They're so nutritious. And let me tell you, I threw in a little flaxseed powder as well and some almonds. Oh, my. This just can keep you going for days, just about. No, really, it's very sister. Also, to what Dina and Abel were saying about what's going on with the cyclones and the weather in the South Pacific, and that is a report made by BBC, God Back in October of 2009, I had mentioned this to them the other day, Maldives government ministers held an underwater cabinet meeting to, uh, to underscore the issues of climate change. So 
the president, Mohammed Nasheed, at the time, and his cabinet signed a document about five meters underwater in a blue-green lagoon on the small island of the Maldives to show what is happening to our planet. This is how serious it is. Uh, And we just really need to see that our actions here and now are affecting there and then and here and now literally across the planet. Um, In no way am I saying that all of what's going on in the name of climate change is uh, anthropogenic. I'm not saying that. I don't think any scientist actually would or does. But as I said, that part of uh, the planet's life as a living system that has been entrusted to our stewardship. If we do not do our job as humans, as every being on the planet has a certain job, if you will, a certain task, a certain dharma, if we fumble that, then the whole thing goes spinning out of control. And the spin of a cyclone is sort of reflective of that idea, the one that that Abel was speaking about. And I just must to really get that we are the planet. This is, we are made of the planet. And, oh, yes, we have spirit, another level of dimensional intelligence. Yeah, I would say that is very, very true. However, that is not disconnected from our material reality and existence. And that's what tends to happen in the Judeo-Christian mindset, that matter and spirit are, are separate. And isn't that just the problem we're dealing with, this notion of separation? And the Taoists and other traditional indigenous thinkers uh, know better. I would really definitely say that. Know better. Native Americans just it's not part of the headset it's a different perspective and uh they're born into the perspective through cultural healthy enculturation and uh, that's the education that abel was very much talking about in one form or another so with that i want to just thank you all for tuning in remember go to uh, betterworld.tv and tune in uh, to our weekly shows, and everything is in archive. Just click on Radio Archive. I am sure you will have a ball, a veritable ball, with all of the interviews I've been doing over the course of many years. Very rich, having a lot to do with our psychological, emotional, spiritual lives, our physical health, and the health of the planet, as well as the health of our body politic. God knows we are making so many mistakes there. And it's yet another reflection of that fundamental pathology that when Abel was uh, both reading from uh, Adida's uh, taxi, it's just all over the place. There is a sickness among us, folks, and it starts with the mind and our faulty perception of reality. All things can be traced back to that. And when we start to see that as a true reality of what we're dealing with, we actually, through that awareness, begin to mitigate it. So I want to also remind you all that A Better World is a foundation. It is a nonprofit. It is a 501c3. And any donations, contributions, well, we actually consider them investments in a better world for us all, for all sentient life. We so appreciate And there's a donation box on our website, abetterworld.tv, on the right-hand column. And uh, Or if it's appreciable amounts of over $500, then please contact me directly at 212-420-0800 or mjr at abetterworld.net. That's my direct email address, mjr at abetterworld.net. Also, for the services that I provide as a coach, counselor, biofeedback practitioner, stress management consultant, and therapist, teacher, workshop facilitator, go to Mitchell Rabin, 
dot com, M I T C H E L L R A B I N, Arabin dot com. Thanks so much for listening and joining. Please pass this on to your friends and others who you think could benefit from this kind of information, knowledge, and consciousness raising. I look forward to seeing you all.